Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Selah Fellowship podcast of our Wednesday services. We are currently studying through the book of Exodus. Please open your Bibles to Exodus as we dive into our study this evening. I wanted to share a story from Browning because I need, I should really talk about it more. Um, there's one girl this last Saturday. Um, we had a mission team come and they did face painting and they brought this like double bounce house that combined together to make one giant obstacle course. Um, and they did face painting and we got back on the bus and we're dropping off the kids and there's one girl named Janny and she was wiping another girl's face paint off and so I got told about it. And they're like, hey, this girl's wiping off my face paint. And so I talked to Janie. I was like, hey, Janie, why are you doing that? And she said, well, she was wiping off my face paint. And I was like, okay, this is good. We talked about this last week. We talked about how you should love your enemies. And that if she's doing this just because she wipes off your face paint doesn't mean you get the right, the right to wipe off her face paint. If, you, if they take your crayon, you can't take their crayon, is what I've been saying. And... She sat there for a moment, and I was kept driving, and she said, this is, she's like, this is really hard. And I'm like, yes. I think that you're making, you've realized the first step when I say, hey, you should love your enemies. You're like, that's easy. That's easy to do. But for her, it became real, and it was just like, this is hard. I don't like this. And I was like, Janny, you're, you're really close. You're getting there. And so if you see Janny, know the Lord's working on her. So it's just been cool being like, yes, you've realized it, that sometimes these words that the Lord says are like, yeah, I can do that. But when it comes down to it, when someone wipes off your face paint, it's a little harder. Um, So we're going to be in Exodus 36. And we're going to do 36 and 37. If you're here other times I've taught, you're going to get a lot of the same. But it's good. I'll go ahead and open up in prayer, and we'll get to it. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you the day that you put breath in our lungs, and you brought us here, and we can have confidence and faith that you have a plan for us, because it's not our breath, but your breath in us, that you have a plan for us today. So, Lord, use me as a vessel to proclaim your truths and that you will speak to hearts. Um, And you're working on us. You're building us up. Just as this, we're going to read about this tabernacle, building us up just like that, one step at a time, um, one cubit at a time. So, Lord, let us receive this, soften our hearts, open our ears, and allow us to walk out and do these things as well. So, thank you, and amen. Um, so, last time I taught, we were introduced to these two amazing craftsmen, Bezahel and Alaba. I'll say Bezahel a lot, or I'll say B-Man, because I've studied that. I've written down B-Man probably more times than I've said Bezahel, so... Um, so I will go ahead and start right from verse 1. And Bezahel and Alab, every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall be according to all that the Lord has commanded. So now I get to go into a backtrack and set it up. Um, Moses has been given this command of building this tabernacle, building the holy place, the outer holy place, um, and all of these detailed measurements. He's been given these things. Now he's coming down off the mount, did a little correction. Now these people are filled up. They're stirred. Their hearts are stirred by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. And so now he's, the Lord called these two people out gifted them, called them by name, and now we get to see these two people called by name going out and being like, we're going to go do this. This thing that Moses was asked to do, we get to go do these things. So now we're getting into the building, the construction, all of this. Um, that Towards the end of that verse, 
um, shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Um, this is the chapters where it's going to sound like it's a lot of the same words that went on in Exodus. I'm going to stumble around. I think it was 30, like two verse, two, three chapters ago. Moses was given all these things when he was on the mount. And it's going to sound like all the same verses. And that's because it is. It is almost identical to the verses that Moses was given. But this is different because they are going to do them. We are doing these things. They shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. This is now hands and feet to what was once words being said to Moses. So now we get to, it's going to sound all the same, but this is different. It's what hands and feet are doing. That these people are going out, doing these things, moving in them. These are doers. Um, I flip back a chapter. Verse 2. Then Moses called Bezahel and Alab and every gifted artisan in in whose the hearts of the Lord had put wisdom, everything whose heart was stirred to come and do work. And they received from Moses all of the offerings from the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Um, so this free will offerings goes back to the last chapter, verse 29. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord, and all the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all the kinds of work which the Lord, by the hands of Moses, had commanded to be done. So they're kind of, these are the people that are called, that are stirred. These construction workers are going to be just construction working. That's their sole job. That's what they're called to do. That's what they've been ordained to do. That's what they are given this gifting for. And so all the other people that are also stirred by the Spirit, that our hearts are stirred, they want to help out. I feel like these people want this tabernacle just as much. We want this thing. We want to have a place that we can meet the Lord. We want to have this place. We want to do anything we can to help. So now they're going above and beyond. They've given their tithes, given these things, and now they want to giving this free will offering. They want to give above and beyond. Hey, since you are so good at construction working, I want to help you. So how am I going to help you? I'm going to give you a meal. I'm going to give you water. I'm going to give you these things. I'm going to bring them to you so you don't have to worry about it. You can just wake up. I'll give you these things. You can go right back to working. No pausing, just working. So this just shows me how this whole town is just, Israel is rallied together wanting this tabernacle wanting this place that they can see the Lord and meet with the Lord. That they love the Lord and they, their hearts are stirred. That they want to go out and do and help. They might not be able to lift a hammer. They might not be able to have all these giftings that um, Bezahel and his team had, but they're willing to do anything they can. That what their calling is, what their gifting is, they're going to pour that out and give that to this team. They're going to give him what they're called in. Bezahel and his team had a gifting of all workmanship, which is a lot, all workmanship. And you get to see all these other people pouring out and giving their gifts. Um, then we get this twist that I feel like we don't see very much. Surprising to me, but we'll keep reading. Um, verse 4, Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work, which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from giving. For the, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done. Indeed, too much. These people were so stirred up, so moved, that they just kept wanting to give, and they kept wanting to pour out. 
And Moses is like, okay, some food is actually going to waste now. These things are not being as efficient as they could be. You guys are doing a free will offering, which is amazing. I'm not going to hinder that. But now it's getting to you're giving, but it's not being utilized. I'm not going to ask for something that isn't going to be used. These things, I'm glad you're giving them. But this seems like such a radical story of, hey, settle down. You're giving too much. Knock it off. But it's there. And this just shows that these people really loved it. They loved giving. They wanted to keep going. And I know that here we have cradle care ministry when a couple has a baby, when the Taylors have a baby, when the Shrites have a kid. Um, We have a list in the back, and we have different days for the meals. We're not just taking names and being like, hey, bring all of your meals on Monday, and we'll give them all to them on Monday. And then they're left with like 15 meals. They're not going to be able to use them all. Um, This same thing of like, this is an organization. I'm not going to ask or have you give something that is not going to be effective. I'm not going to be taking these offerings and these things from you when it's not going to be used. So this is Moses stepping in and being like, hey, we love you guys. Um, We care for you. And I don't want you to give these things when this is your goodwill offering and above and beyond. Um, Keep giving, but for this, they have enough. They are fine. Um, So he's protecting them and not having them not have food or these things that Moses is having this protecting heart. And same with the Lord, that he's not, the Lord's not going to take too much from us. He's not going to keep pulling and pulling and asking for more and more that is above and beyond when the Lord isn't going to be using these things. The Lord is perfect, and he asks for us, and he might stretch us and pull us, but he's doing that for a good work. And right here, this this good work is already being fulfilled. It's already being completed. And so um, just a crazy story of these people giving and being stirred so much that they... Um, almost have to be reined back. Um, It reminded me, um, there was a leader that I um, was working for, and they were saying that I'd rather, um, they're encouraging me to keep taking more leadership roles and keep being moved and pushed on. And they're pushing me and taking more responsibilities and taking more ownership. And they said, I'd rather... um, I don't want to keep coming to you and keep pushing you in these things and reminding you of these things. I'd rather you just go. And if there is a time, I'd rather rein you back. I'd rather rein you back in your ownership and your responsibilities and your thoroughness in your job than keep having to spur you on. And it just reminded me of this and confronted me about, am I a person that needs to be continually spurred on or is my heart so stirred so filled with the Spirit and so motivated and wanting to see the Lord, wanting this job to be completed, wanting to help, is my heart so on fire for that that almost I'm told to pull back. Um, So just a cool story, and it's not a story, it's real, um, of these people that were so on fire for the Lord that they wanted and couldn't help themselves but keep giving above and beyond, that um, even construction workers were like, hey, it's a lot of food. Let's, we can't finish it all. Um, so that everyone wanted the temple and everyone wanted just to see the Lord. Um, now we're going to be getting into tabernacles, cubits, gold, acacia wood. Um, I will try to be reading through this. I want to try to read through it all because the words I read from the Bible go without void. Things I'm saying now, not so much. Um, But just as I read through them, um, just seeing Bezahel and how he is called. 
This is a man that is clearly said over and over again. This is a man that is gifted, called by name, gifted in all workmanship. And now we get to almost see him, this is what this man's doing. So as I read through, keep in mind that this is a man that is called and that is walking it out, that is doing these things. He's called to be a construction worker, and we get to see him be very diligent, very thorough, obedient, because I can flip back. Um, I will find that. (laughs) I will find that. Exodus 31. No. I'm going to forget it now. Exodus 30, I think. It's somewhere around there. I'm so sorry. But it's where Moses is still on the mount, and he's hearing all of these things from the Lord. And I was flipping back and forth, and it was just word for word, cubit by cubit, exact measurements, and all these things is being followed out. That Bezahel is listening to Moses, who is called and given it by the Lord. Bezahel is being obedient in thoroughness. Um, I will flip over. The second. Um, Ephesians 4. Um, 1 through 3. I will read that. I therefore... This is Paul talking. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... Um, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all the lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There And just showing this man is called, this man's walking it out, and we get to almost see him bearing one another. Um, gentleness, long-suffering, enduring, that this is what being called is. That being called is then doing these things and walking them out. And he has this whole team, and I don't hear about the team. That means that they were one. I I don't hear about them struggling, them backbiting, or any of these things. And the scripture is not shy in sharing those things with us that this is Bezahel, someone that's called and stirred, and he really does lead a team. Um, And I'll flip. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about how we are the temple, and the Holy Spirit abides in us. So I'll read another Ephesians verse. That's what I'm reading through. So everything speaks to me through that. Um, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in which the whole building, being lifted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I will read that verse again. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That this temple, he's talking about, this temple comes together. It's built on, the, on Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. And that as we, as this temple is being built up, we are also being built up. So, I'm going to be reading through this, and I feel like this is almost like this above and beyond verse of he knows the hairs on our head, that he's building us up just like this temple. And this temple is detailed with color, not any color, has to be blue, has to be red, has to be purple, and it's built up specifically, and just as that, we are being built up. That as Jesus Christ is our cornerstone, we are building up, being built up just like this. And just crazy that he knows us and he is working. There's this whole courtyard that has um, the laver, 
the courtyard, lampstand, showbread, and he's working from the inside out. He's working from the Holy of Holies, talking about the mercy seat, and working out from there. And just with us, when we have that cornerstone in place, he's going to be working from the inside out. He works from our heart and works outward from the deepest of our hearts. And so just crazy encouraging to think that as this temple is detailed, and I think that sometimes it's a lot, I wouldn't say too much, but really close, um, that's us being built up as well. That we are being built up just like this, with detail, with care, with lovingness, with the Holy Spirit. So I will start in verse 8. Then all the gifted artisans among them who worked on the tabernacle made ten curtains woven of fine linen and blue, purple, and scarlet thread with artistic designs of cherubim made them. They made them. The length of each curtain was 28 cubits and the width of each curtain four cubits and curtains were all the same size. And he coupled five curtains to one another and the five curtains coupled to one another. He made loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain and the shelves self-edge on one set. Likewise, he did on the outer edge of the other curtain of the second set. Fifty loops he made on one curtain and fifty loops he made on the edge of the curtain. Uh, On the end of the second set, the loops held one curtain to one another and he made fifty clasps of gold coupled in the curtains of one another with the clasps, clasps, that it might be one tabernacle. He made curtains of goat hair from the tent over the tabernacle. He made 11 curtains. The length of each curtain was 30 bits. Oh, it was 30 cubits. And the width of each curtain, four cubits. And the 11th curtain was the same size. And he coupled five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves. And he made 50 loops on the edge of the curtain and its outermost on one set. And the 50 loops he made on the edge of the curtain of the second set. He also made 50 bronze clasps to couple the tent together that it might be one. And that he made a covering for the tent of the ram skin and covering of badger skin. There's that badger skin again. Um, For the tabernacle, he made boards of acacia wood standing upright. The length of each board was ten cubits, and the width of each board a cubit and a half. Each board had two tenons of bindings, one for another. Thus he made all the boards of the tabernacle. And he made boards for the tabernacle, twenty boards for the south side, forty sockets of silver he made to go under the twenty boards, two sockets under each of the boards for its tenons. And for the other side of the tabernacle, the north side, he made 20 boards. And there are 40 sockets of silver, two sockets um, each of the boards. And for the west side of the tabernacle, he made six boards. He also made two boards for the two back corners of the tabernacle. And they were coupled at the bottom and coupled together at the top by one ring. Thus he made both of them for the two corners. So they were eight boards and their sockets 16 sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. And he made bars of acacia wood, five for the boards on one side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle on the far far side westward. And he made the middle bar to pass through the boards from each each end of the other. He overlaid the boards with gold, made their rings of gold, and he hoarded for the bars and overlaid the bars with gold. And he made a veil of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. It was, work, it was worked with an artistic design of cherubim. He made it four pillars of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold and their hooks of gold, and he cast four sockets of silver for them. He also made a screen for the tabernacle of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and five fine woven linen made by a weaver and its five pillars with their hooks. And he overlaid their capitals and their rings with gold, but their five sockets were bronze. 
Wow, that's us being built up. Detailed, loving, and each of them having this purpose, and it's beautiful, um, has artistic designs of cherubim. This is a place that you got to meet the Lord and step into this place and see cherubim, which are in heaven, to remind us that we are walking into that place, that these people got to walk into a place that was like heaven, where they got to see the Lord and meet with the Lord and confide, confide in the Lord. And just been, it's brought light to me about what these details are, that these details are lengthy. I stumbled over a few of them, a lot of cubits, a lot of bronze, but just knowing that I am being built up just like the temple, that it brings comfort to me that the Lord doesn't even, he knows every hair on my head, but he also knows like what he's building me with. I am being built up. I am being these things. And he doesn't, he's not just like, ah, oh, throw in some of this and this and spice it up. And, but it's all these like, he's building us. He built this temple. How much more is he going to be caring about me? Um, caring about, caring about me and all of us that, and here he has this detail, but how much more detail must he have on my life? that he is building me and does have a calling and does have a purpose. And reading through this, there is a lot of, he made this, he did that, he made this. That's all Bezahel. Not that he's the one and everyone's like watching him, but he's leading this team and he's going forth and he was called by name by the Lord. He's pressing through and walking in it. And also, as I was reading through it right now, just kind of seeing the mundaneness of it. This is like another bronze clasp, another one, make 50 more, all these loops. I've done this before. Um, and that's sometimes what our, in our calling, we might have those times of day in, day out, clock in, clock out. But Bezahel kept doing it and he finished it. And we're going to see He's going to keep right on going. He's not going to stop at this. And when we have our calling and have our place where the Lord has us to be, that is also a time we get to press in. And yes, I get to make 50 more loops of blue cloth around this thing. I can't wait. That's often not my heart, but I wish it to be that when I go to work, I'm not so excited for some tasks but I am glad I'm there and I want to be more glad and where the Lord has called me to find joy in that. So that just came to me as I was reading through all of this, um, building this tabernacle and how that truly is us. We're going, so now that was the tabernacle so now we get to build the things inside the tabernacle and go through all of that. Um, I do like how the Lord is starting from the inner point, the most holy of holies. He's starting there, having them build that first, and is almost working its way out. Working, you got the tabernacle, so now we're going to build the holy of holies. And then we're going to start building the lampstand, the showbread. Um, what's after? Incense. And then in the next chapter, you're going to see him building the laver, um, the sacrifices, and the whole courtyard. Um, that the Lord does start from, he cares about our heart. He cares about the inside. Um, as a kid, and probably still now, but I don't have as much free time as I once had, but um, there'd be like sprinklers at our house, and then we had like a long driveway that was like gravel, and I always liked when the sprinklers went on, and there was like some water would like run down the driveway, because the water would never make like a straight line, like I would think that this water would just want to go straight, but it would always like bend and jag and go different ways, because it was always finding the lowest point. It was always going to that first, that it wouldn't, or even on like a car windshield. Like it's not just like lines of rain. 
it like jags and jigs and goes all over and goes to other paths and goes down there. And it's finding the deepest parts. It's finding the lowest parts. And the water will just go out of its way to go to that lowest part. Um, and the Lord is our living water. And that he will go into our hearts and he will find that deepest part. He'll find that lowest part. And that's where he will really be pouring in. That's where he is living water will go. And that was just a reminder of this, brought to light this, that he's starting there with him as our cornerstone. And then he will keep building out, going into a courtyard where we get to meet more people. And I think the, I'll give you a preview of like the next rest of the book. It goes out to the courtyard. And the next part is garments of the priesthood. That's where you get to go out, see other people. That he keeps working on these things, but he is always caring about our heart and worrying about that. So, Bezahel and his team, that's where they're going to start. And that's what Moses was told first, and that's where they'll start in this. That Bezahel is just such a leader that he wants to follow, and he's following it verse by verse, detail by detail. Is that what you're told first? Because that's what we'll do first. Is that what you're told next? We'll build that next. Um, so, the next chapter, verse 1. Um, then Bezahel made the ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits was its length, and a cubit and a half was its width, and a cubit and a half its height. It overlaid it with pure gold inside and outside, and it made mold of gold around it. And he cast for it four rings of gold to be set on its four corners, two rings on one side and two rings on the other side of it. He made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. And he put the poles into the rings at the side of the ark to bear the ark. He also made the mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits with its length and a cubit and a half its width. He made two cherubim of beaten gold, details, beaten gold. He want this detailed guy. Um, he made them of one piece at the two ends of the mercy seat, two, one cherubim at one end of the side, and the other cherubim on the other side of its side. Um, he made the cherubim and the two ends of two pieces of the mercy seat. The cherubim spread out their wings above and covered the mercy seat with their wings that faced one another, and the faces of the cherubim were toward the mercy seat. Um, I think what stood out to me, I've been going through, reading through Psalms, it's been great. Um, and so when I read they had their wings extended, it just reminded me of how in the Psalms it talks about how the Lord has its wings extended and we will lay in it and we will be in its shadow that he protects us with his wings. And same with these cherubim, no doubt, that they saw these wings as they are both stretching out and they cover this mercy seat in a shadow of protection that that is also us. We get to, the Lord protects us in his, with his wings. Um, I will flip over to Psalms 90, and I'll show you one. I'll show you some verses. Psalm 91, verse 1. Um, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I shall say to the Lord... He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the prowless pestilence. And he shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings he shall take refuge. You shall take refuge. And his truth shall be your shield and buckler that... This mercy seat is covered with wings of protection. We are covered with wings of protection. And we get to have that protection in the mercy seat and a testimony. He's given us all a testimony, and we can find comfort in that. Do not forget about your testimony. Do not forget what the Lord has done. And in that, you'll have protection. In a mercy seat, not forgetting that the Lord will give you mercy. You can find refuge in that. Find refuge in the comfort of his wings under them and in his shadow of his wings that are mighty 
vast. Um, just a nice reminder of these pictures of the Lord that are continual. That I read these wings and I was like, oh, I know these wings. I know they'll bring me comfort. And just like that, I can see this um, arc of testimony um, that played times where the Lord showed up in our lives that we can't forget those things. And we should find comfort in those. And the Lord will bring us comfort in those times. Um, Verse 10. He made the table of acacia wood. Two cubits was its length, and a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And he overlaid it with pure gold and made a molding of gold all around it. Also, he made a frame of a hand breaded all around it and made a molding of gold for the frame all around it. He cast for it four rings of gold and put the rings on the four corners that were at its four legs. The rings were close to the frame at holders for the poles of bear, for the poles to bear the table. And he made the poles of acacia wood to bear the table and overlay them with gold. He made of pure gold the utensils which were at the table of dishes and cups, its bowls and its pitchers for pouring. Pitchers for pouring, details. Do not use these pitchers for anything else. These are pouring pitchers. Um, just as place for the showbread, a nice table. Um, he's putting loops on everything. He puts hooks on everything. And that's to make this place portable. This is not yet a... Notice he's not making a foundation. He's not pouring down these things. They're not digging a hole and really setting in these stones. This is just acacia wood poles and just some bronze clasps and all these loops. And these are done to be taken apart, to be moved, to be put back together and set back up. That this is still, the Lord is moving them. The Lord is still moving and moving them around and they do not want to lose this place. So you'll see uh, Bezahel putting in these loops, putting in these clasps. He says, let's see if I can find that verse faster. Um, verse 14, the rings were close to the frame and he holders for the poles to bear the table. So he put poles. He put rings on each of the poles. So that way they can just slide in their acacia wood poles and just lift it and move it out. There's no... This is a, Kev, do you, this is easy mover stuff. You have experience. If you have class on everything, easy stuff. Um, verse 17, he also made the lamp stand of pure gold, basically just keep going, and hammered, um, I'll start over, he also made the lampstand of pure gold, of hammered work, he made the lampstand, its shafts, its branches, its poles, its ornamental knobs, and its flowers were of the same piece, and the six branches came out of its side, three branches of the lampstand out of one side and three branches of the lampstand of the other side. There were three bowls made like almond blossoms on one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower, and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other side, which an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches coming out of the lampstand. And the lampstand itself were four bowls made like almond blossoms, each with an ornamental knob and flower. There was a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second, two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same, according to the six branches extending from it. Their knobs and their branches were of one piece. All of it were one hammered piece of pure gold. Hammered, the details. And he made its seven lamps, its um, wick-trimmed, and it, its trays of pure gold, and of a talent of pure gold, he made it with all its utensils. So, details. Got all these bowls, you got all these lampstands, you got these wicks that are trimmed, and you have these almond blossoms. The, the ornamental. This is a beautiful lampstand. They made it beautiful. It wasn't just like, ah, oh, just make it gold. Not that gold wouldn't be beautiful, but they wanted to make it. And it wasn't just 
They weren't like, hey, this lampstand needs a little bit more. Let's add some almond blossoms. That was, once again, told by Moses. The Lord told Moses, I want almond blossoms on it. So Bezalel gets the information and says, we're going to put almond blossoms on it. Um, just these cool things that the Lord cares about. And because of that, Bezalel cares about them. He's hammering these things out, giving a little texture, giving a little thing, get these hammer marks on it. And all of these things is for the Lord because the Lord asked for it. And now we get these people that are stirred, being obedient to them. Um, Looking at almond blossoms, we get to see later on, Aaron's rod will bear almond blossoms, proving that he is the high priest. Almond blossoms were a sign of life, resurrection, because it was the first flower to bloom. Um, Some people, some of the, I think there's like, a folk tale or whatever of like they even come out in winter but they come out the first they're like the first flowering um, plant tree to go so once that starts going that's like what kind of kicks it all off as all they bloom so that's why it is a symbol of life and resurrection because after the long winter after everything's dormant these almond blossoms are the first one to turn the first one to bloom um, thinking of the lampstand and how we should be the light of the world, that we should be that first thing. We should, our lives should be that. The words we say should be a light unto the world. And in that, we should be the people doing that first. We don't need anybody else to do it. Um, clearly, the laws don't, we're sometimes against them, against the world. Um, but we're being that light. We're being that first flowering plant in some people's lives, showing them truth, showing them a light, and giving them life, and showing that, that, yeah, it's been, it might not see much life out there. It's a hard thing out there. And, but we want to be that first bearing fruit. Um, so an interesting detail, I learned about almond blossoms, and I don't know if they'll come up in a planting mm-hmm. class, but they're the first ones to go. Um, so, Moving on, there's still more time for Bezahel, more things for him to do, more things for him to be called in as he walks through that. Verse 25. He made the incense altar of acacia wood. Its length was a cubit and its width a cubit. It was a square. Two cubits was the height. Its horns were of one piece with it. And he overlaid it with pure gold, its top, its sides, all around, and its horns. He also made for it for a molding of gold all around it. He made two rings of gold for its under its molding by its two corners on both sides, as holders for the poles which were to bear it. And he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He also made the holy anointing oil and the pure incense of sweet spices according to the works of the perfumer. He's going to keep making things. I'm going to stop there. Um, But just that this man is called. This man's walking through it. We are called. We all have a calling on our life. If there is breath in our lungs, be assured that there is a call for you that day. If there wasn't a plan for you, then God wouldn't keep you around. That sounds harsh, but you're here. That means God has something. He has something for you. He has a plan for you. You are called to something. And just like this man is called, you can see him walking through it. There is a diligence. There's a steadfastness of faithfulness. I can see how this might get a little tiring. So much gold being poured out. I know that there's a lot of ladies that wouldn't mind that much gold, but this is a lot of gold a lot of things, a lot of loops, a lot of clasps, and seeing how this man's walking through it steadfastly. Um, but we can do all those same things. There's nothing he is called, we are called. The things that give him these abilities to make all these things are from the Lord, and we have that same calling. There's nothing different. It's not like Bezahel. What a legend. Nobody can compete. 
um, we can get these same things. Um, and the first time I taught, I went through Moses getting these instructions, and now I get to go through and do it, read almost the exact same verses again. And this is, it reads the same. It is the same cubits all the way through, but it's different because this is action. This is not instruction anymore. This is not God putting a calling on your life, which he has. This is you guys doing it. That is Bezahel and his team doing these things. Um, there's a parable in the New Testament. I couldn't shake it away. Um, in Matthew 21, I will read it. Um, the Pharisees are kind of confronting against Jesus and pushing back some things. And Jesus, whenever he gives parables and he asks questions, he makes it as clear as possible and obvious as possible. And we get one of those examples right now. Um, but what do you think? This is Jesus talking, talking to the leaders. He says, what do you think? A man has two sons. And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he said, I will not. But afterward... He regretted it and went. Then he came to the second son and said, Likewise. And this son answered and said, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two sons did the will of his father? So he makes it clear, tries to make it as obvious as possible. One son said he wouldn't, but he actually did go. One son said he would go. And so both sons are liars. Both sons lied. But one did it. I'll call it. Um, and so, of course, they said, they said to him, the first son. And Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you then, tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. That, yes, of course, this first son did it. He is the son that obeyed his father. Because he is the one that actually did it. He's not looking for us nodding our head when he talks. He's not looking for us to say, yeah, amen. He's not looking for that. He's looking for us to go out and do these things. He's looking for us to put hands and feet down. If he's put a calling on our lives to do something, you can't just say, amen, and then stay sitting. That's what, doing it is the more important thing. And that's what was so cool about reading this section of almost the exact same text that has already happened. It seemed like a big repeat section. It seemed like a recap episode, but it wasn't. This was different because it was doing them. It was going out and putting feet down. Yes, God, you've called me to do these things. Thank you so much. And then he went out and did these things. What a powerful thing. And yet, how easy it is, um, but how much... I put off these things, how much I know we put them off, that we put off God's calling and what God has put in front of us, and I catch myself frequently just being like, yeah, that'll happen later, yeah, that's nice, um, but he's called these people, he's stirred their hearts, um, he stirred their hearts in so much of a giving that Moses had to be like, all right, you, you're filling them up too much. That this being stirred, um, Austin talked about it last week, being stirred, having their heart be stirred and filled with the Spirit. And we get to see this outpouring of it now. These people wanting to give. They want this tabernacle so bad they want to help as they can. They give their gifts and talents and you see Bezahel, we get to see this man walk out what it is to be filled and stirred up by the Lord. Continual, day after day. This read all as two chapters. It took me maybe 10 minutes to go through them. I doubt it took that long to do it. It took days, weeks, months to make these things. And he wanted to do it right. So it took him a long time. Faithfulness of listening to the words that Moses told him and then him following it to a T. Um, making all these things, trusting in the Lord. 
and just this stirring in our hearts that the Lord does. Um, and then getting to see that doing it is crucial, far important. Um, just been, just be encouraged that the Lord has put a plan on our hearts. He has called us. He has gifted us. Um, Bezahel was given tons of giftings, knowledge, wisdom. Um, I wrote them down on the last page. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, design, artistic works, carving wood, all manners of workmanship. It even got so long that even he had to be like, all of it, all the works. Carving wood, everything. Cutting jewels, you got it. Um, and we have these similar giftings. It might not be similar as in exactly cutting jewels, but it is what the Lord needed. The Lord needed someone to cut jewels and do all these gold things, so he gave someone those giftings. And I know that we have these things as well, that we get to walk them out, and it might look like this mundane, day in, day out, hammering away, um, but you're following through with it. And just been encouraging seeing it day after day. The Lord's building us up. It is a long two chapters. It is a weird two chapters, but... The Lord's given me a fresh eyes in it, knowing that that's me. I'm being built up. All these details, all of these things, is not. He, I read this as not a temple. He's building me up. He wants details in my life. He wants artistic knobs on me. Um, and he cares. And he builds it for a purpose, not just, I'm just building this guy up. Let's just do it. He's building this temple up for a purpose. He's building us for a, for a purpose. Um, so just be encouraged that the Lord is working continually and building us up. Cubit by cubit, acacia wood by acacia wood, gold, bronze, clasp, and going on through and that he cares about our heart far above anything else. Thank you for joining us for this study through the book of Exodus this evening. If you would like more information about Sela Fellowship, please visit us on the web at selahfellowship.org. While you are there, feel free to check out some of our other messages and past book studies. Thank you again, and God bless.